Welcome to the Road Travel Podcast. My name is Jesse Hunt, and it's been a hot minute since I've released uh, an episode. It's been about a month. It's a long time. Uh, work got busy, so I had to pump the brakes a little bit, uh, but I'm back now. I did find some time over the last month to sit down with some new guests, and there's some new episodes coming that I'm very excited to release. Uh, I'm not going to lie, this episode's uh, a doozy, both emotionally and from a time point of view. Uh, so I'm actually going to split this episode into two separate episodes. Uh, the guest is Jay Perry. Jay is a very talented photographer. He has done some great commercial work for companies like the Toronto Maple Leafs, companies, sports teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Raptors. Uh, in the first episode, we're going to talk a lot about how Jay got his start in photography, some of the defining moments he had and some opportunities that he had, maybe unexpected opportunities that really put him on the map from a photography standpoint. Uh, we also talk a little bit about the organization that Jay started called Friends with Hearts. In the second episode, we're going to talk about the book that Jay just released. Uh, it is called My Dad Got Sick, and it is about when Jay's dad got diagnosed with cancer and Jay decided to put his photography career on hold to become a full-time caregiver. It's a very meaningful episode. I've wanted to do this one for a long time. Jay is a really great guy, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So... Without further ado, here is part number one of the episode with Jay Perry. Enjoy. Uh, I mentioned this to you earlier uh, when I was trying to pitch you on coming to the show, but I said that when I made my list of people that I wanted to have on it, you were at the top of the list from like day one. Yeah, I'm curious as to find out why. It was was very flattering. Well, it's interesting because I've, you know, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Uh, not we, we've not really hung out or anything. No, it's interesting no, just, when, when I was going through our Facebook message, yeah. uh, the little thread that we had going, and I went all the way to the top. We were talking like we had met each other at an event, but I don't remember what that event was. So, from my memory, it was a event where a speaker from Haiti was talking. I was recording some video. Okay for the organization and you were doing a video for something am i off no that may have been it i feel like that's how we met and i saw i'm like oh there's this other guy who's uh doing some camera work Mm -hmm. and i always just love to network with people meet new people yeah and i probably you know lurked you out on facebook and just added you yeah i I believe that's how it happened that's probably it yeah yeah we, we met at that event okay cool i was uh there's just like a time in my life that I have like it's very foggy yeah, before yeah. that time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that and like I, I was just too. like an anxious, nervous mess whenever people met. Like I met people back then. Yeah, so yeah. that was probably. No, yeah, I think that was our, our introduction. And then since then, it was just via like uh, anyone's relationships is social media. Right. Yeah. And just like I love the work you do. So just following what you're doing in your life and, and your stories. Um, but no, we've never sat down face to face and had a, a warm tea. This is. This is the first of many, I hope. Yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty excited for what you're doing. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you. I love. I love the episodes and um, the guests that you have on are. They're all very interesting. Cool. So I'm. I'm a little worried to live up to these guests that you have what? and why you've brought me on, but I'll give it my best shot. Well, there's many reasons, and I don't want to just like throw them at you all at once. But <laughs> I've got this long list here. <laughs> But I don't know, like mainly if I'm being like straight up about it, it's uh, like you said, like we've been kind of like tracking each other, I think. And I've always been aware of what you've been up to. Um, Obviously, 
excellent, amazing photographer. Oh, thank you. That I, I love the work that you do. Uh, and then you are probably one of the most positive people that I have on any of my social media feeds and the stuff that you are constantly doing it always seems like it's it's for the good of other people and I got to be honest in today's day and age it's not a whole lot of that going on so it's nice to see well thank you and I think that's um, how I would like to leverage social media I guess yeah. as um I mean, it's it's completely toxic that whole world, and I wish honestly, I wish I didn't have to be on it. And have to is a weird word, but um, it helps. It did help for my business and, and whatnot. As um, same with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Just getting work out there. But I think that I don't know. I think that everything is contagious in the world, and that if say something I post could brighten your day, amazing. But maybe that that aspect of brightening your day could bring a smile to someone else's day that day mm-hmm. and then just that whole contagious circle just keeps going and going around and i don't know i just feel like it'd be amazing just to live in a world where more people are excited about life right because life rules yeah well that's one thing i enjoyed about your book actually is how you incorporated some of the social media posts that you had made as updates throughout right. that journey right um and some of them I actually remembered seeing mm-hmm. in real time. And so it was interesting to revisit that now that I had more context to the story from yeah. reading the book. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny you mentioned those posts and like diving into this pretty, pretty soon and, you know, stepping into the photography world and social media world. Um, you know, I've, um, some of my work takes me to Toronto here shooting some professional athletes mm-hmm. and working with some basketball players you know, years ago, I thought I was like, oh, I was this cool guy shooting a professional basketball player. Look at me. It was like my first time doing it. And, you know, you post that photo on on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 people engaged with it. And I was like, really? Yeah. You know, this is a pro athlete. But then I started making the posts that you do in the book. You saw in the book and those went crazy, crazy. The amount of shares and, and comments and feedback from, from those posts they were the first time I had really opened up into my personal life, like in, like really insanely d- deep into that. And I noticed that they were working to help other people going through similar stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was right there. It was like, hmm, like how can I bring this further? And that's the kind of that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book is because I saw the feedback coming in from those posts. And not only that, I just got private messages people going through similar things. Um, let me hear more of your story. Come meet with me. And I meet up with them in similar situations like this, no headphones, no podcast. Yeah. But, um, that's when I knew that I think it's just being super vulnerable is very helpful. Um, I have no shame in anything I do, um, because I know if it can help somebody, my story telling them, then, you know, it was worth going through hell to get there yeah right? and it's just again going back to that positive thing trying to put a positive spin on negative situations i guess sure yeah and it's interesting to compare like to see what people use social media for is mm-hmm. the exact opposite usually of what you are using it for like i find social media I've, I've got you know if you listen to some of the other episodes you'll know that i've got gripes with social media and i've you know i have my own struggles yeah, with yeah. it um from <clears throat> you know, an art perspective or career perspective, just, but even like as a, as an individual, you see all these people posting all these photos, living these glamorous lives that they're not actually living, but you get caught up in it 
and people want to be that person making those posts. But like, yeah, it's unfortunate that the, I mean, suicide rates are higher, rates of anxiety and depression are higher, and a lot of it stems back to social media. Um, and it's, you know, we live in this world where world of comparison. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, I want to live so-and-so's life because look at them. They're traveling around the world. They're doing this. They're doing that. And it's like, you have no idea, but that person hates their life, right? I just I just watched that movie on Netflix, um, American Meme. Have okay. you seen it yet? I haven't, but I've seen it on Netflix. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was really good. It was really eye-opening, but also it wasn't surprising to hear some of these um, influencers that hate what they do mm-hmm. and how they're kind of pigeonhole into this like specific brand on what they have to do and and you know the one person was huge on vine well vine is done and, and now what right mm-hmm. so you're right if you, if you put all your eggs into into this social media world what do you have you've got some sort of fake life you're comparing with other people if that makes any sense yeah and and you're right i think that it can be used beneficial there's a lot of benefits to social media um a lot if i mean we've created these technologies that allow us to communicate with everyone in the world but we've also created this technology to i don't know bully and and shame people online right that didn't exist before Mm -hmm. one thing that i think of often is i can't imagine being in high school or worse or you know earlier elementary school uh now with the technology that they have access to now. Right. Um, so I don't know how old you are. How old are you? 31. Okay. So I just turned, actually, I didn't. I'm 36. Um, so I got five years on you. Um, when I was in high school, none of this existed. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember in elementary school, them talking about this new Google thing, right? That's how early it was. Yeah. Um, in high school, I think we, outside of, School, we had ICQ yep. and then MSN Messenger. Yep. Um, that was kind of the extent of it. And now I look at my niece and nephew who are growing up with this technology right in their face every day. Now, um, granted, my brother and sister-in-law don't, I mean, don't allow them to have social media yet. They're eight and nine. And I think that they'll put a, a stop on it until a certain age, which is great. Mm-hmm. But a lot of their friends, you know, have Instagram. And, and man, it's like, eight years old having Instagram that has got to be so terrible for one's brain going forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know a lot of studies are being done now to see the negative effects of that because it is even, it's, it still is new, mm-hmm. right? It's a new thing. And someone who gets social media at years old, what are they like at 20? And I think that we're in for a rude awakening because of that. I don't know the answer how to fix that, but I'm, and I, I believe this is true that a lot of these guys who create or these individuals who create these social media platforms don't allow their children to have access to it. It's crazy. Right. And if you look at that, it's like, okay, they, they know yeah. that this is not good for one's mind and let's try and fix it. But it's okay because like they're making money. It Make, just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. It's, yeah, I would yeah. love to get a camera on these guys and just have an interview and just be like, so why doesn't your kid have yeah. Instagram? Yeah, right? And it's like, uh, and, and given some sort of truth serum before, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because I don't want him or her to grow up with these crazy anxiety problems and, and whatnot. I'm listening to a lot of different podcasts lately about um, the brain and, and, and whatnot. And 
it all stems back to screen time, right? Yeah. And, and how that's so terrible for, for us. And I've, because of that, tried to limit my screen time as well. Mm-hmm. And I uh, have that, that screen time app on my phone now. Yep. So at the end of the week, I get a report. It's like, oh, you suck. Stop looking at the <laughs> screen. Or, you know, you've done well this week. And I know it, I notice it too when I'm less in front of a screen. In our jobs, that's what we do. We're in front of screens, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm trying to slowly transition more away from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot of negative effects for social media. And even though this podcast is out via social media and, you know, I know yeah. get it on social media. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but that's what, that's what's saying like this social media technology can create positive platforms that allow you to access uh, interesting content like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's pluses for sure. Of course, yeah. yeah. And you can meet a lot of great people and communicate right. uh, with people through it. Like I never used Instagram's DM feature ever until recently. And then I've been, you know, reaching out to people that I, I love their work. So I'll just send them a message and then we'll end up going out for coffee or yeah. beers or whatever it may be. Right. So yeah. I think, like you said, you can use it for a lot of good. It just is so, so few and far between it seems. I got a funny story and I okay. made a, a video about this on my YouTube, um, that I once used Tinder as a social networking app to find uh, models in another city to shoot. So what I did was, this was many years ago, and uh, if you paid for Tinder, it allowed you to drop your phone anywhere in the world. So I was going to Vegas to shoot something, and I had some downtime. So I was like, I've never been to Vegas, but there's so many amazing backdrops in old Vegas. So I was like, I'd love to connect with some people out there, Mm -hmm. some models, and shoot them, and just have some fun personal work. I didn't really know how to do that, you know, going on Facebook and like adding all these random people. It's like kind of weird. I don't know. So I paid for Tinder. I dropped my phone in Vegas. And my first picture was, I'm a photographer. I'm going to be in Vegas on these days. And I'm looking for people to shoot. Um, Swipe on my pictures and you'll see some of my work. Mm -hmm. And in the profile, I made a page on my website that even more explained who I was, what I was doing, and giving myself credibility. Uh, and so a bunch of models saw that, swiped, and then I swiped on them. We connected. I went down there for work, and we ended up meeting up and doing some amazing shoots down there because of Tinder. That's incredibly clever and resourceful. Right? So I looked at it as not a dating app, but data, right? Yeah. And, and numbers, Um, as a dating app, I think it's like a very weird way, (laughs) but that being said, I know a lot of people have met on those apps and have great marriages and great lives, but I looked at it as just numbers and, um, kind of a way to advertise without being an advertisement. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but since then I had, I did it again for my book and, uh, on Bumble and then they banned me. Oh really? Yeah. They caught you. Cause I was using it. I was I was honest. I'm like, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm not looking for um, relationship. And then I guess I was violating their terms of service. And they banned me. But, but still, uh, that being said, that is a that's what it takes to make it happen these days. I think that 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 kind of thinking, that willingness to yeah to do something like that. Right. It cost I, me thirty dollars, I think, to yeah. to pay for the month, and it was an easy way to connect. That's so cool. Yeah. What a great story. Um. So. 
you know, that, so we've been talking about photography. So why don't we go into it a little bit more? When, when did your interest in photography start? And when did you kind of like, how did you make the transition into making that your, your profession? Okay. So I'll give you the quick story. And, uh, I went to college for architecture when I was like, I don't know when you go to college, like 20. So I was there from like 20 to 23 studying architecture. And while I was there, my buddies and I kind of started a band and we didn't really take it too, too serious until like we all really like finished school. So I finished school and it didn't really interest me too much anymore. The whole design world. Yeah. Um, so, but we really put everything we had into this band. So next for that next five years, we played music, we toured all around, and that was kind of like my living for a bit. And then, I think we were twenty seven, and like there was commitment issues at the band, and we had to get adult jobs yeah. at the time, right? And it was like, okay, well, it sucks making a hundred bucks a week doing this, and let's cut it right now, so we don't wake up when we're forty, still kind of touring around in this beat up van. So I quit that and started to do um, freelance web design work. Cool, it was going well. And then one day I was doing a, a job for a client. I couldn't find the exact stock photo that I needed for his site, so I borrowed my brother's camera and I took the photo and it came out great and, uh, that I thought. And at that point I'm like, man, this is way cooler than doing web, web design. So I was like, well, I'm 20, 27 now, I can't really afford to go back to school for it but because of the internet everything like that I'm just like I'm just going to put everything I have towards this so I just studied and studied and studied and practiced and bought my first camera which is a Canon 40D I yeah. think and um, that's how I got into photography that's kind of how I fell into it it's amazing how many people have similar stories they just kind of like stumble yeah, into the yeah. thing that they love the most right yeah um, but actually transitioning to it full time is like a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I was taking some, what I thought were great portraits, great photos, and people seemed to love them. This is like early days of Facebook. Mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, I'm this cool photographer. Like I'm, I'm killing it. Um, then I'm like, Hey, let me shoot your wedding. Want me to do your headshot, this and that. And everyone was like, not really. You know? Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Like, who are you? As soon as money was like, yeah, introduced like the you equation. Were, hey, you, you've been doing photography for what? How long? Um, so I was struggling for a while. Um, and so what changed things was actually, um, changed my whole life actually was get, getting arrested and going to jail. Um, and when I say that is, um, I, back in 2010, uh, I got charged with impaired driving. Um, crazy story about that. I wasn't even driving a car, but that's a whole thing. And spent the, spent the night in jail. And to make matters worse, it was my mom's birthday, and she had to come pick me up. Oh. So that put me in this, this crazy state of depression, right? Um, where I just felt hopeless. I felt like I failed at something else, photography. Um, actually, sorry, to backtrack, I was I had volunteered to shoot a buddy's wedding that okay. day. And uh, had a few drinks and went home and long story short, I ended up in jail. Right. So again, failing because the photography led me there. I thought that, um, so this depression led me to a few things. One thing I realized I didn't, couldn't drive anymore. So I had to, couldn't drive to any sort of photography gig if I got it. 
So I got a job shooting nightclubs hmm. in in Hamilton in Hess Village. If anyone's listening who knows Hess Village, back in the day it was like the hot spot. Yep. I mean, just packed, um, and I was shooting nightclubs there. And I did it every single Friday and Saturday for one year straight. It was crazy, and it paid uh, seventy five dollars a night. Wow, crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it it was fun, but the biggest thing is that that learned. I learned how to shoot in low light. I learned how to deal with people. I learned so much about photography and I just like grinded and did that. Um, so that is what started the transition. Um, the full, full transition is after I went, made my first trip to Haiti. Right. If you want to get into that. Well, this is a good transition point because that was next on the list okay. because that's, I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the trips that kind of like put you on the map as far as like a photography Big goes. time. Yeah. 100%. I okay. owe a lot half to that trip. What prompted you to take that trip or what led you to take that trip in the first place? It was 100% the depression that I was in okay. from getting arrested. So I felt like I was in such a, a low spot and didn't know how to get out of it and, and how to crawl out of this rock I was under. And something came to me and it said like you know if if you help other people uh that's a a way to feel what's the word kind of i guess better about yourself fulfilled fulfillment right yeah. is just to give back and it's a selfish selfish way to do it but um so here's here's the quick story is that i was shooting nightclubs and one of the promoters at the club had uh bought a new house that he was renovating and he knew I had an architectural background. He knew that I was only shooting nightclubs, so I was making 150 bucks a week. And he said, um, do you want to come help renovate my home, and I'll give you 10 bucks an hour to do it? I was like, okay, sweet. And here's this guy with this college education in architecture making 10 bucks a week, right? Yeah. I had to get over that. But at the same time, I was like, okay, like this is something. Mm -hmm. So I was renovating his house, and... Uh, he had told me about his parents who were on vacation somewhere. And uh, that was the end of that. So a couple weeks go by, his parents come to the house to check it out. They introduce themselves to me. I say, how was your vacation? They said, you know, what vacation? I'm like, you know, weren't you away? And they said, no, we were in Haiti helping build schools. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, man, crazy. And I was like, I right then, it's like, this is my chance. Like, what do I do? What do I say? My mind is going crazy. And I just let it out. It's like, how do I come with you? Yeah. And they said, come in November. We're going again. And I was like, I'm in. So at that point, I was like, awesome. Like, I'm going to go on this mission trip with this group and help build schools. That's what I'm going to do. And then a few weeks later, they gave me the details and were like, yeah, it's going to cost you $2,000 to go. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to help build schools. Don't, don't you send me there? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea how it worked. I had no clue. And like, no, you you know, you pay your own way there. Yeah. Like, okay, so I figured out how to get the money. And uh, that was it. Signed up, going. A few weeks after that, they found out that I was this so-called photographer. I'm like, do you want to come and take photos? We need some stuff for our media back here for our presentations. And I was like, wow, like I get to go help people out and take pictures. It's like, this is so cool. Um, so yeah, I went, I went out there and uh, we spent a week there. It was a few days in. I just, I snapped the photo that would, um, I guess, change 
the next few years of my life. Mm-hmm. It was the photo of the, the, little, the girl. little girl. Yeah, right? so uh, the story on that is we went to an area called um, Happiness Alley, which is the poorest area in Haiti. Yeah. It's this alley of just garbage, and um, it's on the water, and they pile their garbage on the water over and over and pack it down to create more land to live on. Hmm. It's so it's so crazy. Um, this one little girl was just by me, grabbing onto my legs and I had my camera and I just looked down and I snapped a photo of her thinking nothing of it until until I got home and started editing it and that was the photo that just like went all over the place and it, it was it's it's funny because my goal was to go down there and help people specifically help build schools but um it was my it was me that came back that got helped out big it, time it's interesting how that happens yeah um some of my experiences being able to go down to, uh, well, not South America, sorry, Central America. And uh, I shot a documentary uh, in a Mexican town called uh, Tapachula, which is around the border of Guatemala. And it was uh, maybe four years ago. And lots of migrants were coming across from from down in um, Honduras. Yeah. And so I shot some interviews with some very, uh, some young kids that were, had to leave their homes because of gang violence and, crazy terrible terrible things and it just like broke my heart and that was a very eye-opening experience right that that has a way of you know maybe not all at once but like just being exposed to those things can gradually change who you are exactly um and i'm very thankful i think when so when i went down um i think at that time so i had this i had to have this breathalyzer in my car i'd got my license back after a year and um or did I? I just got the breathalyzer, actually, yeah. And um, I found it so annoying. I had to blow into this breathalyzer every time I had to start my car. Oh, wow. And in the middle of driving, it would go off, and I had to blow into it, and I was so annoyed with this stupid thing and just upset with myself. Then I went to Haiti, and we are driving in the back of this truck, standing up over these potholes, over these roads, over this, this, and that. I saw what everyone was going through. I came back, and I said, it is very impossible to have a bad day in Canada mm-hmm. after witnessing what I did. And that experience made me insanely grateful for everything that I have and all the relationships that I have. And I think, I tell a lot of people, if you're going through something really tough, see if you can make one and do one of these mission trips. Um, and, and when you say mission, you know, it, it adds the, the element of religion in mm-hmm. there. And I'm not a very religious person. The group I went down with was a religious group, and they were fine with me coming. There was no problems with that. But if you can find a group that you gel with, go. It's worth the money. Like I said, I, I paid $2,000 to go, and I was very upset with that. If I knew ahead of time what it would do for my life, I would have paid tens of thousands of dollars for that trip. Mm-hmm. It's Like you said, eye-opening is the biggest word. Yeah. Ever. I remember my landing in there, going to the place we stayed at. We had to me and another guy had to sit in the back of a pickup truck on top of luggage. That was my first experience with the country. Just riding on the back of luggage, the pickup truck, and I'm just I was in awe. Because mm-hmm. you, you see it on TV, you see it in movies, not the same. Not the same. Did you have any uh, like culture shock because of it? I found that I, I wouldn't say it was like an aggressive culture shock, but it is. It is. You leave Toronto, you land somewhere like that, which is third world, just went through a tragedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, how could you not just be like, this is a dream? What is happening? There definitely was some culture shock, but at the same time, 
there was uh, a part of me that really loved it because I love adventures yeah, and I love something new. I find if I'm doing the same thing for too often, it gets too stale and boring, sure. yeah. right? So there was a little elements of that where was, I was excited, very excited to be there. So w- back to photography after you after you snapped that photo. Right, right. Did Because I remember you went back down there. Yeah, yeah. So going back to that photo. So the photo I snapped, a little girl, um, her name is Ketien Love. Um, edited that pic, put it out there, got picked up by all these newspapers, um, it won a massive award with Vistec cameras. Nice. Um, it got put on all these blogs and this and that. And it was like, ever since that photo got released, all this like commercial work started coming in. Uh, it was wild. I owe a lot to that little girl. Like, I'm not really a big believer in fate. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love the idea that I'm not in control of my life. Yeah. But it was just like maybe lucky, perfect timing that she was right there and I was right there. And I just looked down at that exact moment. It's funny. I look at the photo now, and there was there would be so many different things I would do technically sure. different. Like I had this flash on. You see it on her head, and, and it's like. But um, I think it's the emotion in, in her eyes and whatnot that mm-hmm. that draws people in. But yeah, she she changed my life considerably. Um, so yeah, I went back uh, a year and a half later, two years later to to find her. And say thank you, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another experience on its own. Um, we ended up finding her after a big mission to try and get to her and figure out where she was. And uh, we found her mother who was selling chocolate bars aside the road, picked her up, went to this school, which is like, honestly, like two hours away, which I thought it was, it was far. Yeah. And um, yeah, we found her and uh, I brought this canvas print for her of the image and uh basically said thank you Mm. to her and um asked her mother if it'd be okay if i'd send her if i could send her to school on me Um, which allowed her to go to school down the street from her house right got her um breakfast every morning wow uh got her books uh her uniform and paid her tuition for school i think tuition out there is like a hundred dollars a child yeah um, for for a year and cost me 25 bucks a month to, wow. to do that for her. and I, I, I mean if you look at a numbers thing it's like the return on that investment is, is insane what she did for me and, and investment's the wrong word because I don't go down there looking for that yeah, yeah. but like what she was able to bring back into my life and like yes commercial work but more so um, happiness um, fulfillment that I always say it's 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 her fault. It's her fault I'm here right now. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can look at that image and you can learn a lot from it just from looking at it for, you know, even a few moments. You can just see so much in that image. Thank you. Um and I I wonder like do you uh, do you look at it now and is it like a, a refresher? Does it remind you certain things that maybe you've forgotten over the years as you've gotten busier or? Yeah, so um, it's n- rarely leaves uh, my side. Um, it's actually right to the left of my desk, mm-hmm. a big, massive wood print of her, always looking down on, on me. And you're right, it is a refresher um, to know where I've been, mm-hmm. where I've come from, but also... Um, doing stuff for other individuals is more important than any professional athlete that 
I'll ever photograph. Right. Is, do you still have contact with her in any way? Or? Unfortunately, no. So here's what happened, and I'm pretty upset about this, is uh, so I was sending her to school for X amount of years. Every year they would send me a letter um, with an updated photo of her and how she did in school, mm-hmm. grades and whatnot. Um, I think this happened last year. I got a letter from the organization that I was dealing with and said, um, she's not in school anymore. We can't find her. Mm-hmm. Her and her sister are gone. They say that's not not abnormal for that to happen for whatever reason, circumstance-wise. The mother had to take the kids somewhere else, sure. move to a different part of the country, and they just vanished, basically. Um, they, I'm sure, you know, she's still alive and well. Um, but, yeah, I, after that, the contact was kind of done, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It sucked, too, because the there's this program in Haiti that um, that has, has connection with the University of Montreal that they take students from Haiti okay. up to Montreal. And the kind of deal is we'll bring you to school here. I mean, you got to pay for it and whatnot. Sure. But... Um, you, we can put you through the program, do do everything, as long as you agree to go back to Haiti for at least a year. And, okay. Um, whatever you learned here, you need to implement into your country. Sure. So I had dreams of you know sending her to school in Montreal. Yeah. Um, but I, I that that's that could still happen. A lot of weird things happen. So I went back again, and uh, strangest story, and we we want I wanted to meet her, see her again, and she's a little older now. Um, we didn't have time. The one day we wanted to have time, something happened and we couldn't find her. So the group I'm with runs an orphanage down there. We were in the orphanage and I was kind of bummed because I didn't get to go see her. Uh, and honestly, this is so weird. I was sitting down on a cement block outside and I looked up and she was standing right in front of me. Right in front of me. What? Yeah, her and her sister. Did she recognize you? Like, Yeah, yeah, I I think so. I think so. So, uh, then I got the backstory. There was this pastor at the orphanage who heard my story wanting to go find her. And he knew her cousin, I believe. So he gave her cousin $10 to go get this girl and bring her there just for me wow. to see. And I found that out. And I'm like, $10 for a Haitian person? That's a lot of money. Yeah. Like that can feed families for a week, multiple. So I'm like, man, like, thank you, but you did not have to do that. I'm yeah. like, here's twenty dollars to say thank you. Take and he wouldn't accept it. Wow. He wouldn't take that back. He's like, no, like this is something I want to do for you. So I eventually told him to take it. Um, I'm like, take it and spend it on your church. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to take it personally, spend it on somebody else. If you don't take this, I'm gonna give it to somebody to give to your church. So basically, I said, you know, if you you'll be able to spend this money more wisely than someone else. But either way, it's going to go to your church, yeah. so you might as well just take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to see her again, and it was it was awesome. There's some photos of her and I sitting side by side, and um, she started like tracing my tattoos with her arm. Wow. There's pictures of that. There's like selfies on my cell phone. And it was one of my favorite moments of my life, I would say, yeah. getting to see her again, that she was healthy. And doing well um, in that area, one in three kids don't make it to like t- five or six years old. Wow! Because uh, they don't have shoes, they get cut, their foot gets infected, and they die. Right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was awesome to see her and for that to happen. 
So cool. Yeah. That is a once in a lifetime experience that does not happen too often to people probably. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and that you got so much out of it too, right? Like I, I'm still getting so much out of those. I mean, the fact that we're still talking about it is, yeah. is pretty wild. Yeah. Right. So well, yeah. like I said, like you, you and I haven't really hung out and talked, we haven't talked about this at all, yeah, but that's yeah. one thing when I was making notes for this episode, I knew about it. Yeah. Okay, I knew okay. that was a big thing. Yeah. 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 So like that speaks to the power of that image and th- that yeah. story. She, you know, she changed my life and um, selfishly, I'd like to think that I had a help in um, her development growing up from, I, I mean, I don't even know how old she was when I met her because they don't, the number of certificates or not, they mm-hmm. guess two, three. Right. Um, I hope that I help, had some help in the development of her growing up to 10 years old or whatever she is now. And, um, I really believe the whole like power of one theory, right? It's like, you know, I, I believe everybody's good. And there's some people like, I want to change the world. I want to do this. And like, you should try it because mm-hmm. if you don't try it, that's the only way to not make it happen. Right. Yeah. But if everybody changed one person's life in this world, then the world would be such a completely different person, right? Just one person. Mm-hmm. If everyone had that mentality, then again, that contagious effect would just roll around. So that's what I hope. Um, she's, I'm actually, I'm her one, you know, she changed my life. Yeah. Which is wild. In such an like, unexpected way, in an unexpected moment, just. Yeah. And I think that stems going back to just anything in life where do things without, um, the hope or want for reward. Yeah. Right. And that, I think that's how everyone should live their life. I mean, I went down there not looking to get help. I looked for the help build schools Yeah, and you know, it's fun, funny too. Like as much as like I did photography work down there, um, I got to, to, uh, do use some of my architectural background in the development or building of the school that they were, the trade school they were building, mm. which is kind of cool. It's that like, I, get, cool. I guess, you know, not thousands of dollars of, that much wasted but everything comes full circle eventually you just have to be able to recognize it when it comes in right i think there's a lot of elements that i learned in architecture and the design side that i um subconsciously bring forward into photography Mm -hmm. i I guarantee that there is yeah yeah it's uh something that i'm trying to be a little bit more aware of uh is how certain things happening in one aspect of my life actually play a role Right. And another aspect, and it's, you know, subconscious, you don't always know it, but like, I'm trying to be more aware of that. For sure. For sure. I think, I think it's huge. I mean, um, training your subconscious, uh, which I've been learning about over the past few years, um, is a way to, um, fulfill your life even more, get ahead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that your subconscious controls a lot more, a lot more than we realize. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, Unless you want to talk about photography anymore, I think that it's up to you, man. We, I think that we've like we've kind of rounded that out. It's not just like a hey, you shot athletes kind of thing. It's it's yeah, such yeah, a yeah. like it's such a deeper deeper story, and I think that we've got a really good piece for that. So, I was gonna lead us into some uh, about friends with hearts. Cool, cool. Does that make sense? Funny because they they all kind of like mix together. I know they're all transition pieces. So the organization that you started, friends with hearts, where did that? Where the inspiration? come for that organization when i got back from my first trip in haiti okay somebody in hamilton said to me why are you going down there to help out and not helping out in your hometown whoa and at first i looked at them and was just like kind of like oh yeah like what are you doing 
you know? Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of like, it, it was insulting a little bit. Yeah, how bit. do you not take some offense to that? Right? <laughs> and then, I don't know why, because things usually don't stick on or stick with me like that, but it, that did. And a few days later, I think it was, I found this photo and I, from Christmas, me holding um, a Ghostbusters car that my parents got me. Somehow, I could just look at that photo and remember the joy that I had on that Christmas morning playing with that car. And I don't know why, but it just hit me. It's like, it sucks that there's lots of kids that don't get to experience what I got to experience that Christmas morning. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to change that? So I thought back to Haiti and was like, I looked at Haiti and as everyone knows, they're insanely financially poor, Mm -hmm. but they're insanely socially rich. It's like, how can I bring that back to, to Canada? Um, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you are at times just going by strangers, not saying anything. Um, they don't do that down there. It's like hi to everyone, everyone's family, everyone's friends. It's weird up here in Toronto. It feels like nobody wants to talk to each other ever. Right. Yeah. When I come to the city, it's like, there's this energy that I just don't love. And it's just, we're all walking zombies, looking at our phones. Yeah. It's weird because you make little subtle, like half smiles at people. Mm-hmm. But like, I, and yeah, I can say this honestly. Like, I don't genuinely want to talk to people, right? Which is right. weird because, like, I do love to talk to people. I would consider myself yeah, a yeah. people person. Yeah. What is yeah? Then you you meet that person that's like full of energy and full of life, and you leave the conversation. It's like. I feel better about myself after talking about them because their energy just poured right onto you. And it's unfortunate that we live in this world where we're just chasing a dollar every day and we'll stab someone else in the back to get it. And that's very like stereotyping a lot of people because there are some amazing people Mm -hmm. in in this city as well. Sure. There are like, like yourself, right? Oh, appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to bring that, that element back from Haiti. Um, so I thought, let me investigate how to sponsor a family at Christmas but I would love to do it with friends. Mm-hmm. And I contacted the Children's Aid in my area, and they were like, you know, for roughly $250, you could sponsor a family. So I thought, cool, like, if I can get nine other people to throw in $25, we'll have, you know, in my 25, we'll have $250 and sponsor a family. Put out a tweet, hey, is anyone interested in doing this? And it was like, yep, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm cool. in. And it was like, just went crazy on how many people wanted to get involved is that it was like that simple not that that's a simple thing but like it's interesting that like that concept like hearing how it started yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes so much sense now yeah and it so the goal was 250 dollars that year yeah. and we ended up raising 1400 and change 1400 dollars wow right which is like 1400 dollars in the grand scheme of things is nothing but when your goal is 250 that's that's pretty significant increase and the year one of this organization wasn't called friends with hearts it was just nothing it was just something we were doing as friends and um uh i did all the shopping or i think my mom might have helped and my mom wrapped all the gifts and we delivered a few bags of gifts to children's aid um so that was like the very start of friends with hearts but after that happened it was like hmm, there's something interesting here um, I wonder if I should just name it something. And then I was like, what should I name it? 
I'll name it what it is. It's it's friends with hearts doing good things. I'm like yeah. friends with hearts done, and it, it's funny. Everything that's been done with friends with hearts has been done with zero thought at all. Zero thought. Wow. It's just like let's just do this, make it happen. And I've found that the things in my life that have been the most successful have been the prior to that have been the least thought about stuff. Now I don't think like don't you should plan for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think once you start overthinking things, that's when doubt starts to set in. Yeah. And that's when you start to fail or give up or... Just not do it. Don't it, even start. It, exactly. Yeah. Right. It, well, and also it kind of speaks to and shows off your, uh, like your authentic nature, I guess, for lack of a better term, like without giving a thought is just like straight from kind of like who you are. Well, thanks, man. I, w- yeah. I will... It's just instinctual almost. Yeah, that, yeah. Maybe that's a better word. Right, right, right. That that's funny. No one's ever really said that to me, and that's very interesting. Um, and looking at my life, I guess that's the way I roll. It's like, yeah, when I have an idea or a thought um, that I, I I like, I make it happen. I mean, sometimes I make it happen and it just fails. But <laughs> everybody does that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's part of life yeah. and, and figuring out your next step. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how Friends with Heart started in, in year one. And then it just kind of exploded since then. Yeah, I made a note saying thanks to the, the recent Facebook meme 10-year challenge. It really, uh, the, the one that yeah, you posted yeah, shows a comparison yeah, yeah. between year one and where you are yeah, over the last yeah, year. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, so going back to actually um, Haiti, kind of mixing into this, uh, I went to a... a benefit dinner to raise money for this organization. I think they raised $100,000 that night, which is phenomenal, right? And it was a silent auction. I would say 95% of the individuals bidding on these items were 90 and older, right? And I looked at that and I was like, is there any sustainability in this organization if the vast, vast majority of their funding is coming from people who probably won't be here in five years, if they all die, is this, is this organization done? And that's morbid to, to think about, but it's true. It's part of life, of right? Talking yeah. about dying is part of life. And so I thought, how do you how do you counter that? And it's like, instead of having one group raising $100,000, why don't you have, you know, 100 groups, uh, 500 groups, raising X amount of dollars and doing it as friends. So you're doing it for the rest of your lives. That's kind of like the model Friends with Hearts is based on. So Friends with Hearts isn't a charity at all. It's it's actually nothing, right? <laughs> and, and I'm honest about that. Yeah. Like you don't need Friends with Hearts to sponsor a family at Christmas. It's just a website, a thing, a, a movement, uh, a community, yeah. however you want to list it. We're not a nonprofit. We're, we're we partner with charities, which sure. I thought I've was very intelligent to avoid all the the loopholes of paperwork and lawyers and board of directors becoming a charity. Sure. So we partner with charities, so we can still get tax receipts from those charities from our donors. Sure. We just don't have to deal with a lot of headaches. Um. So. Yeah, it's I still have trouble figuring out what it is, other than an organization. I guess that comes together as friends. So going back to the charitable thing, it's because we're not a charitable thing, uh, 
people may have issues donating their money to somebody okay. that's not a registered charity. Who are these guys? So how do you combat that? Because is there concern that you found that they just don't know where the money's going to go? They well, think that okay, you're so going to like rip this, them off or this something. This is just what's in my head. Okay, right? sure, yeah. Of like, I'm not going to donate to somebody who isn't a registered charity, who doesn't have this number, who can't give me a tax receipt, or can't, or just like. And it was hard in, in early years because there was not a ton of credibility, right? For year two, year three. So there's another roadblock. How do you combat that? It's you don't need those people because if you're doing it just in a small group of friends, your friends are going to trust you. Here's mm -hmm. some money. Let's go buy gifts for kids. I have zero issues that you're going to put that money into whatever else, something else that's not this. So that's how I found out or found a reason to combat that is to... If it's just your friends, there's no problem yeah. with that money. But now, how far it's grown, like I'm getting donations from people. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. And it's incredible to see that because I think what it does is we've, as an organization, have been able to show that we're incredibly trustworthy. Yeah. And that they trust that their money is going there. Um, I also believe they want to donate there because, again, going back to the thing where I think every everybody is a genuinely good person and that they want to help out people. A lot of a lot of reasons why they don't donate to specific charities is because they don't want to fund the CEO's next four million dollar home. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I, I find it interesting that you've been you've had struggles with people not wanting to donate because they don't trust you, and it's kind of like. We haven't had that struggle. Okay. It's just like when, when the group was starting, it's like I try to figure out like what roadblocks are we going to have sure. and how do you get over that? Like that, that could be one. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. instead of like worrying about that, let's just keep it as friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, but I hear you. It's like, uh, people don't want to give a dollar to somebody and have, um, 95 cents go to not the cause. Mm -hmm. Right. And only five cents go to the cause. Yeah. Where friends with hearts are, 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 since day one, every single dollar, every single cent that comes in goes back to the cause. And the way we're able to do it by cent is through gift cards. Right. So we spend all our money and do some gift cards and then we have $27.53 left. Because of these places that allow you to dictate how much amount you can put on, right? that goes on. So some Christmas morning, someone gets a gift card for $27.53. That's amazing. Yeah. But you guys also buy a bunch of gifts for yeah, people yeah, too, yeah. right? So okay. gift cards is like just a little bit, like it's like the end and money that comes in at the end right. and whatnot. Okay, gotcha. Um, but, but yeah, so we used to get um, lists from the organization that we're sponsored with or partnered with right now. And it would have like, uh, here's family one. Um, there's these kids, they're this age, their sex, a little wish list, their sizes. And we'd go shopping for that. Didn't have to fulfill it, but we could and, and do that. That was insanely time consuming. Mm -hmm. And um, it would take like a full staff to, to finish the amount of money that we are able to raise now. And we found that out where a few years ago we were at the $20,000 mark. I, have to, I had to tell them by a certain time we have this amount of money so you can allot us this many families to fill. Mm -hmm. And they got back to me and was like, we don't have that many families. Whoa. Like you have more money, way more money than we need. Like, but we do have this other thing where, um, we have generic lists and from these generic lists, if you buy what's on it or everything, um, give us the gifts, 
our social workers then go through them and put little packages together for the kids that they're responsible for. Okay. So ever since then, we, we get lists. Um, and, you know, I believe that every child should have a toy under the tree at Christmas, but we don't just buy toys, okay. right? It's toys, um, life necessities, you know, diapers, um, clothing. You know, one time we got a list and there was a kid on there, 10 year old boy asking for winter boots, right? It's, it's so heartbreaking to see that. Yeah. It's like, if, if we weren't able to get these boots for you, would you have went without boots yeah. in this Canadian winter? Right. And I guarantee there's some that are. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Thinking that's, it's incredible because just thinking of like when I was a kid and if I got socks and how bummed out I'd be, but here's this kid that's just like, I just want some boots. Right. Like, and, and that's the thing is like, I didn't grow up in a, a wealthy family, but I didn't grow up in a poor family, mm-hmm. like super middle class, always had Christmas. Yeah. Right. Never went without. And once you grow up, those are the things that you, you think like, man, like, well, did I ever take those for granted or not? And a simple pair of socks can go such a long way into a child's life, a child's future, keeping mm-hmm. them healthy, a coat, uh, pants, toques, gloves, scarves, right? Yeah. It's those little things that we don't even think about that can have such a life-changing effect. It's so true, and it's it's something that, like, it's unfortunate that we probably don't think about nearly enough. You're right, 100%. And, you know, as going back to, like, what is Friends with Hearts, I don't know. But, like, I'm hoping that what it can do is that, hey, you know, you... I post a lot of it, as you see on social yep. media, right? Our other groups do as well. And I think that's important to show you what we're doing because I, if it might and hopefully motivate or inspire somebody to do something. Mm-hmm. I seen what that group in Vancouver's doing. You know, that made me really happy, inspired. I'm going to go buy a homeless guy a jacket today, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's what we kind of hopefully, how our Friends with Hearts does as well is to inspire others to create change in others' lives. Our platform is through Christmas, very seasonal, um, but it can be done throughout the whole year. Of course. You just mentioned something that made me kind of remember uh, seeing a post. Friends with Friends with Hearts has expanded, has it not? Just, right. You're not just in Hamilton yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it was our third year, third or fourth year, um, we expanded into Vancouver. Okay, cool. Um, we had someone start a group out there. And yes, and so there's a, there's a Friends with Hearts chapter in Vancouver, and then we went out to Toronto, uh, Niagara, Cornwall, and two years ago, we opened our first one in New York City. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's exciting to see these individuals wanting to and spearhead their own group of friends. Yeah. And and they're they're all smaller, right? They're all like kind of where, where Hamilton started at, and, yeah. and they're just growing and growing. Um it's been a wild ride. Very wild ride. And it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. But it's it's so so rewarding for myself. Yeah. Too, right. And uh I said to someone the other day, it's like it's, it's just something that I do now, you know, it's not like every year it's a project. Should I start it? Should I do it? Want to do this project? It's just like, this is what I do. Yeah. It's just been part of, part of me now. It's in the schedule. Yeah. It's in, you're right. That's it. It's in the schedule. Yeah. And a lot of time for it. And a lot of time away from my photography work to focus on that because, uh, no commercial job can fulfill what this does selfishly for myself. Sure. Yeah. And, 
you know, we talk about it and, you know, for people listening, um, I started this idea in 2011, but it's, you know, the people who donate, who share our stuff, who come to the wrapping party are the ones that make it possible. Mm -hmm. And they are the real heroes throughout these past eight years. Mm -hmm. And I owe a lot of gratitude towards them. You just said something, uh, about, you know, selfishly how it affects you. Uh, and it's interesting because I don't view that as like a selfish thing. If, think about it this way. If only people treated their lives more like that, like if instead of chasing after money yeah. in a selfish way, yeah. if they chased after doing good things for other people in a selfish way, where, where we would be. Yeah, I, I say that a lot too as well. Um, do a good deed for a selfish reason. Sure. Right? Yeah. I say I do it. And... It's not the way to really look at it, right? Yeah. But to me, ultimately, it's that person that's getting helped out that wins, right? Sure. And that's the point of it. If you come away with it feeling better, amazing. Mm -hmm. If you don't, who cares? Because ultimately, your act is going to make that person stay better. And that's, and it's like, if you wouldn't have done it unless I mentioned this selfish reason, go for it, then go for it, mm. right? Yeah. It's It's beneficial to that to that one person definitely yeah it's uh interesting i was talking to a uh a friend of mine and we were talking about how the pay it forward thing is still going when you go through a drive through right, every right, once in a while right and he had an experience where he got up to the window when the people uh at the i think it was the tim hortons were like oh the person in front paid for you would you like to pay it forward and then he got it turned out to be like a, a six family oh, member like no. big thing and he's like yeah whatever <laughs> But I've always thought about like how when is it stop? When's that gonna yeah. happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when's that gonna happen to somebody? That's and funny. if you're in that position, what do you say? Like, yeah. you can't back out now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you know what? I actually, I think it's okay to say no at times. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like, granted, I I don't donate any money to Friends with Hearts. I never have donated a dollar. Mm -hmm. I donate my time, which is I think more valuable than mm -hmm. money. Um, but I have a hard time with those. Uh, you go to a grocery store and you're checking out. It's like, yeah. uh, okay, here's your total. Oh, by the way, do you want to do donate $2 to um, Bob's fund? Like, what? Yeah. I mean, you're putting me on the spot here and you're making me feel guilty if I say no. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give $2 to Bob's fund and I don't know what the heck Bob's fund is, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a hard time with individuals putting other individuals on the spot in terms of donation and like when money is handed over. Mm -hmm. I don't love it when corporations do it either. Right. Like, the, yeah. I, I'm glad that you brought up the, like at a grocery store, I have a big, I don't like it when Loblaws, a very big successful chain is asking me for my money. I would yeah. like, I would rather than give it to them. I will go down to sick kids and give them yeah. my donation. Yeah. Uh, and I'd rather say Loblaws. I know how big and successful you are. You make a big donation. Right. That kind of thing, right? Exactly. Like don't, exactly. don't be asking. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm very selective to the charities that I, I donate to, yeah. and I'm going to make the donation to them, not through, you know, the grocery store. Yeah. I think with Friends of Hearts, we've never really asked anyone to donate, and I think that's what we want to keep, keep doing because um, there's multiple ways of donating, but once you hear that, or donate, you think of money, right? Mm -hmm. So we like to invite people to join our team. Yep. And to do that, you can donate money, that's for sure, or you can share our posts on social media or just tell somebody about that. And I think that's, you're still part of the Friends with Hearts team. That's awesome. I love that. That's, uh, 
That's such a cool organization. I'm glad you guys are doing it. I'm Thank glad you. that it's taking off in other cities. It's growing. The, like the the movement. I like how you you kind of put that. You, you're like, I don't know what this is. It's a movement. It's a group of yeah. friends. That's cool. The movement is expanding. So that's the dream is to um, have. Have you are you familiar with Hell Portrait? No. Okay, so some of your 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 viewers probably are in the creative world. The photographer Jeremy Cowart. Okay. Uh, he started this, um, I guess, movement many years ago, where he would grab a bunch of photographers, put them in a room, and he would take professional um, photos for people who couldn't afford it, and and they would get prints, and they would get that, and have makeup artists that day, hairstylists. Some people were doing it for headshots for work. Some cool. people were doing it for family photos because they couldn't afford a family photo. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of spiraled all around the world and groups all around started doing these hell portraits in their own cities, which is amazing. So I kind of ripped off their model a little bit. And the dream is to have friends with hearts groups all over, yep. all over. Um, it's a little bit tricky because there's money involved. Sure. That's the only difference. Um, and right now, I can't, I need help to do that. And the help I'm looking for is on the back end, on the um, web side. Although, you know, talking about web designer many years ago, you don't do it, you lose everything, right? It's, and it's far more advanced now, So, right? so, so much more. And I needed somebody, I mean, I would love some a media team to take on a project um, and just help us figure out somebody who wants to do this group. Go on the website, sign up, make their own page, have documents on how to do it, tips, ideas, graphics, and all that, mm-hmm. and be able to show other people their page, their funding goals, whatever. I just, I don't know how to do that. The website's in a, in a terrible spot right now, but part of the part of the process of growing, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm used to it, and overcoming those is not going to be a problem. Just time. Thanks for checking out the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out Jay's work online, as well as his organization, Friends with Hearts, and his book, which is available on Amazon. You can find the rest of the episodes at jessedhunt.com slash podcast, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Stitcher. If you are enjoying the show, it would be great if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Believe it or not, it actually makes a difference in getting it out there for people that may be interested in hearing it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.